Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality. That's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Tuesday, March 28th, 2023, the 797th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'm your moderator.substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free on a wide variety of podcast platforms. And of course, Rumble. All I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the writing, the social media, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. So I know that the conversation that everyone is having today revolves around the shooting incident at a Christian school in Nashville, Tennessee, by what appears to be a trans person. And the problem is when these events occur, everybody wants to be immediately mad and show that they care the absolute most and make broad sweeping statements 
about the state of our culture that inevitably lead us into conversations we've had over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And again, it's a very sad incident. And the conversation on some level is important, but it's one you already know all the steps to. And we'll get more details throughout this week. And if at some point it seems like it's worth spending a big chunk of time on, I'll gladly do it. But there are so many people discussing this issue right now that I really don't feel like I need to add to that because there are other really important things going on in the world. And as important as these issues are, they are immediately something that we can do nothing about in the present. There is no way to fix the problem that occurred yesterday. And at least for now, there's no real practical way to stop it from happening again immediately. Are these shooters deranged by leftist ideology? Yes. Are they affected by mental illness and perhaps prescription drug problems? Yes. Are many of them people with prior contact with law enforcement like the FBI or intel agencies? Or do law enforcement and intel agencies at least know who these people are? Yes. These are all big problems that we can't just fix, but we can spend days on end arguing about them in the same ways we've argued about them before. Any move by the regime toward taking guns from the people should be rejected completely out of hand. We don't need to talk about the details and the nuances of it. It's just no. Do we need to do something about the radicalization of our youth and what they're taught in school and the gender agenda? Yes, we do. But that's no more true today than it was yesterday. I am glad that people are waking up. They will continue to wake up. But all of these problems become solvable once we take control of the country back from the regime and give it back to the people so the people can make these changes in their local communities. And that's what people should be doing. And instead, we are defending the Second Amendment from regime communists whose power we will extract. So they can't do these things. And that comes through the process of a broader awakening. Now, if I was Dan Bongino or Tucker Carlson and talking to a straight normie audience, maybe I would spend a lot of time on that issue because normies still need to learn some of those lessons, but you don't. And so I prefer, and I hope and imagine that you prefer, we stay on the bigger picture topics that aren't going to enter the central narrative over the next few days while this shooting incident sucks up all the air in the room. So again, if something becomes really interesting about this particular case, I will cover it more at length. And if not, by all means, get all the coverage you want about this issue from the countless sources who will be discussing it today. I want to discuss some of what we were talking about yesterday with the TikTok stuff. We talked about how TikTok was clearly exploitative of people's data, their platform, their algorithm selects different content to show American kids than it shows to Chinese kids. And for these reasons, TikTok, because it's Chinese, is very, very bad. Whereas our social media platforms in the United States that do 
all of the exact same things on behalf of the global regime who does get all your data from these apps gets to slide on all these measures while we focus on the big bad CCP app. Now, none of the people pushing to ban TikTok or heavily regulate TikTok have opposed the CCP in any way virtually over the last few years. And many of them are actually sponsored by the CCP in our Congress. They have their elections stolen for them in coordination with the CCP. So why are they going after the CCP app now? Well, has TikTok changed where their data goes? Does the regime not have access to TikTok data the way it used to have? Maybe there are some people out there talking about that, and we'll see how that part of the story develops. It would certainly make sense to go after TikTok if that was the case, so that the information flow they have no control over could simply be eliminated. But it's also the perfect premise to take away more of your rights. And knowing that the big tech platforms have former employees in the government and also have current employees from the government, they just kind of go back and forth and spread their collective influence through both bodies, you know, fascism. We can expect that whatever laws are created and justified through this hatred of the CCP app and the way it affects your brainstem and the things that they do with their data will be written in conjunction with lobbyists of these other tech organizations representing those organizations on behalf of the regime because they want data. They want control over the flow of information. Nothing could ever be more obvious. And there's absolutely no reason to believe any of them are trying to protect you from TikTok. They're trying to protect the regime from you. So let's get into some of this potential legislation because there have been some good things popping up over the last few days, a couple threads on Twitter, and then an article by my friend Jordan Schachtel, which I'll share with you in just a moment. But this is from the Libertarian Party's Mises Caucus on Twitter. It's at L-P-M-I-S-E-S Caucus. The Restrict Act is not limited to just TikTok. It gives the government authority over all forms of communication, domestic or abroad, and grants powers to, quote, enforce any mitigation measure to address any risk, end quote, to national security and in any, quote, potential future transaction. Well, that seems pretty broad and sweeping. So what happens if you are designated a national security threat? What can they access of yours to confirm it? Everything. Notice the preemptive attack on quantum encryption in there, too. It also allows the Director of National Intelligence and Secretary of Commerce the authority to universally designate new, quote, foreign adversaries without notifying Congress and a 15-day window to notify the president. It also requires a joint resolution of Congress to overturn. So government bureaucracies, the DNI's office, and the Secretary of Commerce get to decide that some foreign country or potentially person or organization constitutes a foreign adversary, and then they are allowed to control the flow of information based on that designation. So let's think back to when the 
Russia and Ukraine conflict began a little over a year ago. The conversations we were having then, they would describe Russia as a foreign adversary and maybe Russia is a foreign adversary. Okay, maybe we can say with certainty that the designee of this foreign adversary label is legitimately a foreign adversary. Why still would we allow them to control what we're allowed to say about that situation? Why would we give them the power to literally turn off conversations about things the regime doesn't like. Even if Russia is a foreign adversary, we were lied to in every single aspect of this conflict. And if no one in the country was allowed to find that information and share that information and prove to other people that the information was correct and that the narrative from government and the military industrial complex and media and tech and the corporations and the academy, literally everybody was a lie. Where would we be right now? Would the entire country still be supporting Ukraine? We can just send our money and our armaments over there. We're going to support our military intelligence targeting Russians over there sabotaging the Nord Stream pipeline, blowing up the bridge to Crimea. Is that all good stuff that was worth supporting? No, it turns out it wasn't. But without the flow of information coming from the fringes, the country wouldn't know any of that. That stuff would have never gone into the mainstream narrative or it would have a year too late and we'd all still be there supporting Nazis. What will that situation look like when the China-Taiwan episode begins? In fact, it's worth wondering if that's not exactly what they're doing all of this for. What happens when we find out that Taiwan isn't the independent democracy that they tried to tell us Ukraine was? Are we not going to be allowed to say that? Are we not going to be allowed to influence the opinions of our fellow Americans? They can only influence our opinions through a system of incentives and punishments as handed down and orchestrated by the regime. Does that sound like a good thing? Because that's what this stuff is intended to do. We are not going to be a bunch of clapping seals spinning a ball on our nose saying, yes, get that Chinese app. Take down that app that convinces our kids to do all these bad things just like the other apps do. Why not? For instance, just stop letting your kids use it. Oh, you can't do that because all their friends are doing it? Well, hey, I guess we need to turn to the government then because you can't discipline your child. I mean, is that where we are as a country right now? But let's get back to this threat. So we were saying that the DNI and the Secretary of Commerce can designate a foreign adversary and they don't even have to tell the president for 15 days. The only way it can be overturned is with a joint resolution of Congress. Does this make any sense? What about this is constitutional? What they're doing is setting up an intricate system of rules so that they can exploit those rules and no one can counteract their exploitation. This is how they have molded our government over the last decades maybe last 80 years, maybe longer. If you recall from before, foreign individuals can now also be U.S. citizens that are deemed a national security threat. You get it? So if you 
were to speak out against the war in Ukraine or you were to speak out against the whatever they try to call it in Taiwan, well, then you're doing the work of our foreign adversaries, which makes you a foreign individual and a national security threat. Isn't that nice to know as an American citizen that your government can target you for your opinions? Shouldn't we sign this into law because the CCP app is very, very bad? After the federal government has detained you without due process to mitigate the immediate threat you pose, what kind of punishments await you in court? A million dollar fine, 20 years in prison, and forfeiture of everything you own. Sound good? Oh man, we got to keep those videos of hot dogs hitting girls in the face off of our phones. Now, sure, you can see videos of hot dogs hitting girls in the face on Instagram or Snapchat or YouTube or Facebook, but it's nicer when they do it, you know, because it's American. So get mad at the Chinese app and give us all your rights and power and control. This act also grants unlimited hiring power to positions of enforcement, unlimited funds with little or no review, and immunity to FOIA. Oh man, I guess they're just doing all of this to help keep us safe. The thread goes on. Wanting to ban TikTok but actually getting tricked into banning Bitcoin by progressives would be very on brand for conservatives. Is that a possibility for this legislation? Well, I don't know, but they did say any future transactions. I wonder what they're talking about with the quantum encryption and the future transactions. A commenter on Twitter wrote, will this stand up to constitutional scrutiny? And Mises Caucus wrote back, unfortunately, the people in power recognize the Constitution for what it is, paper with no power or authority at all. They take what they want with no regard for it. It's time that people recognize the same and refuse to recognize these infringements of their natural rights. And I couldn't possibly agree more with that. We are seeing that the government, as in the fake government, the illegitimate government, by the way, all of them know they're illegitimate. You got to understand that they know elections are stolen. Many of them claim that elections are stolen when Trump won. So it's not like the Constitution is some sort of restraint on them. That means the people have to be and we have to be by getting involved so that we don't get to the point where violent revolution is necessary because no one wants that. That would be terrible. We're already in some kind of war in this country. The last thing we want to do is have it go kinetic on our own soil between our own people. And there's one more interesting comment and response in the thread. Someone writes in the replies, I don't see where it says citizens. Did I miss it? I only see foreign. And Mises Caucus posts screenshots of the text of the legislation and says that is correct. It does say that it is only applicable to foreign entities. However, it then allows anyone that poses a threat to quote unquote critical infrastructure pursuant to a section of the Patriot Act listed here to also have action taken against them in accordance with this bill. So really anyone, an account called Ghost of Whitman writes, the Restrict Act makes it illegal to access a banned technology or website by VPN. If they ban your favorite site and you try to go around it, that's $250,000 in fines for a click and asset forfeiture is included. 
This is insane and must be stopped. He also notes those with their names on this bill in the Senate. Mark Warner, Democrat of Virginia, John Thune, Republican of South Dakota, Tammy Baldwin, Democrat of Wisconsin, Deb Fisher, Republican of Nebraska, Joe Manchin, Democrat, West Virginia, Jerry Moran, Republican, Kansas, Michael Bennett, Democrat, Colorado, Dan Sullivan, Republican, Arkansas, Kirsten Gillibrand, Democrat, New York, Susan Collins, Republican, Maine, Martin Heinrich, Democrat, New Mexico, and Mitt Romney, Republican of Utah. So that's a whole lot of Republicans. Aren't they on your side? Are they trying to protect you from the big bad CCP or the influence of bad ideas on your children? Those people, those people are trying to protect you and not protect the regime from you and the information you spread. These people are literally only in office to protect the regime from you. So this is Jordan Schachtel on Substack yesterday. You might remember him. He came on my show, What We Missed, on Badlands. A few months ago, we talked about global governance. He does great work and is absolutely worth your follow on Twitter. It's just at Jordan Schachtel. But this is dossier.substack.com. That's where he publishes the Patriot Act on Steroids. DC Uniparty wants to use anti-TikTok legislation as Trojan horse for censorship and surveillance. TikTok is indeed a pestilence upon our society. And hey, I'm with you, Jordan. I don't like TikTok, but that doesn't matter here. But there are right ways to go about minimizing this digital opium and its impact on our lives and other means that will allow the American government to leverage the situation to further curtail our individual rights. And unsurprisingly, the latter idea is making lawmakers in the Beltway beyond giddy this week. The restricting the emergence of security threats that risk information and communications technology. Get it? Restrict. The Restrict Act. They made a cute little acronym so it all sounds so much nicer. We're not taking your rights. We're just restricting problems. So the Restrict Act, which was introduced in the Senate earlier this month, would do much more than just ban TikTok. This bill is no mere TikTok ban. It is a mechanism for a massive sweeping surveillance and censorship overhaul. The Restrict Act goes far, far beyond potentially banning TikTok. It gives the government virtual unchecked authority over the U.S. communications infrastructure. The incredibly broad language includes the ability to, quote, enforce any mitigation measure to address any risk to national security today and in any, quote unquote, potential future transaction. The Senate legislation currently has 19 co-sponsors, all of whom are uniparty members in good standing. It is fully bipartisan, consisting of nine Democrats and 10 Republicans. And he adds a clip from Tim Pool's podcast and a link to the Mises Caucus Twitter thread I just mentioned. He says a similar bill has been introduced in the House called the Deterring America's Technological Adversaries Act, the Data Act, which has similar over-the-top security state initiatives. Unfortunately, the ongoing TikTok hearings in D.C. have very little to do with protecting the rights of Americans from potential Chinese Communist Party data harvesting and lots to do with protecting the Uniparty's dominance over the communications and surveillance space. 
Now, let's switch subjects completely without a segue. This is from allafrica.com last week, March 22nd. And you might recall a couple of months ago, I did part of an episode on the presidential race in Kenya and what's going on in Kenyan politics. This is the headline from last week. Kenya President Ruto says dollar demand will ease in a couple of weeks. President William Ruto expects dollar demand in the country to ease as the government plans to import fuel in Kenya shillings. Ruto's remark comes after the cost of buying a dollar increased to as high as 145.5 shillings per dollar as of yesterday. Greenback demand in the country has been rising over the last few years due to high demand from importers. However, dollar requests are expected to drop after the Kenyan government and its Saudi counterpart signed an import deal for fuel importation on credit. Earlier this month, Energy Cabinet Secretary Davis Chircher said that the oil import deal would see the state-run National Oil Corporation import 30% of the country's monthly fuel requirement. The above will be on credit for six months to a year, helping the government ease pressure on the dollar. And a quote. So I just want to assure those in Kenya who were facing challenges of access to dollars that we have taken steps to ensure that dollar availability in the next couple of weeks is going to be very different because our fuel companies will now be paying for fuels in Kenya shilling. The president said during the listing of the Lap Trust Amara at the Nairobi Securities Exchange today. They do not look for dollars every month because we have done what we must do as a government to ensure that we ease the burden on people who want to realize their returns in dollars, he added. The latest Central Bank of Kenya weekly bulletin shows that the country's usable foreign exchange reserves stood at 6.56 billion U.S. dollars as of March 9th, equivalent to 3.67 months of import cover. Kenya imports the vast majority of its fuel from countries such as Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, among others, and pays in dollars. Signs of dollar demand easing could be seen today, with the cost of buying $1 dropping to about 140 shillings from 145.5. And then the article ends with a quote that is contained in this video clip that went around over the weekend. For the people who work numbers... I am giving you free advice that those of you who are holding dollars, you surely might go into losses. You better, you better uh, do what you must do because uh, this market is going to be different in a couple of weeks. So we have the president of a small to mid-sized African nation saying they're moving away from the central bank dollar system. And he's saying it with some humor. He gets some laughs from the crowd. He's got a smile on his face while he's saying it. A couple decades ago, that's the sort of thing that could get your country invaded. So let's think about where we are on some of this big picture, right? We've been watching banks collapse. We hear about how the dollar is losing prominence. Even the mainstream media is talking about how BRICS poses a threat to the dollar's dominance worldwide, especially in the energy trade. And we witnessed what happened at the beginning of the Russia-Ukraine conflict. Russia invaded, and the central bankers responded by saying they were going to move Russia off the SWIFT system. And then they imposed 
a sanctions package on Russia designed to destroy Russia's economy, which means that the citizens of Russia would be the ones under attack. And of course, when the dollar is dominant and the central bankers are in control, then the U.S. acts as a proxy worldwide for the central bankers. The U.S. can impose sanctions on whatever countries it wants to affect their economies, to affect powerful individuals within those countries. And that has been one of the tools the globalists have used to increase and consolidate power over the years. It didn't work on Russia at all. Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. That's BRICS. They're doing their own currency thing. They're moving away from the central bankers. That could be one of the reasons why George Soros now believes that Xi Jinping is the most dangerous man in the world. They have continued adding other countries to that mix. They have countries that want to join them in that project. And then you have China backing to whatever extent Russia in the conflict with the global regime centered in Ukraine. The conflict is not really with Ukraine in any meaningful way. It's with the regime in Ukraine as a regime stronghold and a hotbed of regime corruption and criminality. She and Putin appear to have a great relationship. They're certainly projecting that to the world. They're talking about the multipolar order that is emerging where countries will certainly be involved in trade and, you know, regional priorities. But there's not just one country that gets to dictate to the rest of the countries what their country is going to look like. And that's the world we've spent the last decades in the global regime controlling the world through the United States as its proxy and through the use of currency to control everything that happens. And they also use their global governing bodies to control everything that happens. It is all one agenda being projected onto the entire world at the same time. And they use whatever tools they need to subject the entire world to their liberal world order, their new world order. They say it. I'm just repeating it. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's a system. They tell you about how the system is going to work. They publish documents. They write papers. They control media. They give conferences. They tell everyone what the system is designed to produce. And they tell you that it's all worth it because it's going to be sustainable and it's going to focus on equity and equality. And what we need is buy-in from absolutely everyone. And if you don't want to do it by choice, we're going to make you do it by force. Well, Russia and China have essentially said that they don't care about these global governing organizations and they don't care about the central bankers. And it turns out that that's actually an appealing point of view for many countries around the world who haven't exactly enjoyed the last few decades or maybe even centuries of this global regime control in their countries. And the trend we see emerging is that more and more countries add themselves to this growing list of nations that don't want anything to do with the new world order, the liberal world order, the global American empire, as Darren Beatty wisely calls it, the global regime. We have now experienced and seen for ourselves what exactly this thing is. Would you expect that other people around the world seeing this thing for exactly what it is 
would actually want that now that they know it would be like being at a barbecue this summer and you're hungry. You go over to the barbecue. You want a burger. You're standing with your buddy next to the grill, having a beer. Someone slides a burger off the grill, flops it onto your burger bun. It's got that cheese on there. You say, man, that looks like a good burger. You Put on some lettuce, some tomato, some onions, some pickles. Hey, whatever you like, right? I'm not into mustard. I'm not into mayonnaise. But if you like it, you go right ahead. Make that burger your own. So you prepare your perfect burger. You take a bite of it. You say, ah, you know, that's uh, it's kind of got a weird texture. This thing tastes a little strange for a burger. But you're like, I'm hungry. I wanted a burger. What am I going to do? Take this back over to the grill and be like, hey, man, what's wrong with your burgers? You don't want to do that. You don't want to be rude. So you take another bite of the burger and you say, you know, there really is something a little strange about this burger. It's just not good. But now what do I do? Am I going to throw it out? Well, that'll be kind of rude. And so you're eating and you lean over to your wife or your girlfriend or your buddy or whoever. And you say, hey. This burger tastes a little strange. Did you have a burger? Was your burger a little strange? Is there anything weird about these burgers? And your wife or your girlfriend or your buddy or whoever is like, well, hey, maybe you got one of those cricket burgers that Dave was cooking. Immediately, you're like, okay, well, that's enough of this burger. I'm not having any more of this burger. I am not eating crickets because crickets are disgusting and filled with tons of parasites that could easily cause disease. I'm not going to continue putting this in my body. How did I get so tricked? No one wants to do that. No one wants to realize that what they have believed the whole time about the thing they're eating was completely wrong. And I'm sure that there are thousands and thousands of instances of this in every aspect of our lives where something that we were told for decades and decades and just accepted as true turned out to be completely and totally wrong. And as soon as you find out about it, you're like, wait, That is not what I meant to do. I did not want the cricket burger. I'm going to get rid of this cricket burger and go have a real burger. No one wants a cricket burger. You don't want a cricket burger. You wanted a real burger and you thought you had one and it was just a really bad burger. But it turns out you didn't have a burger at all. You had a cricket patty. And that's what people are realizing about the whole system worldwide. This is not what they believed they were getting. And it's even worse when you're talking about financial systems or systems of government. As soon as people understand what they're actually getting, they immediately don't want it anymore. It's not good enough any longer to say, this thing is bad, but I can deal with it. Because you immediately incorporate the deception and the fact that you were not getting what you thought you agreed to. That's what people are experiencing now. They thought they had agreed to a certain thing, to a certain system. But when they find out what they're actually getting, they reject it completely. We see the same thing happening as Ron DeSantis's poll numbers continue to drop against Donald Trump and his organization, or at least the organization behind him. Again, Ron DeSantis hasn't been personally involved in too much of this. This is looking more unlikely as we go on. It's looking like Ron DeSantis is just being exposed as a tool of the regime. But you got to stay open to the idea that it is just the people supporting him and pushing all of this, trying to create some narrative effect where they're able to take down Donald Trump and DeSantis looks like the next possible option. And so they're going for that. It's still possible. 
Although I would say that looks increasingly unlikely. Paul Sperry tweeted this morning, the Bushes are running against Trump through proxy candidate DeSantis, according to GOP insiders in Texas and Florida. The entire quote unquote Bush machine is behind his campaign, even helping run it. And if that's true, if there is a real campaign there and Ron DeSantis is coordinating with the Bushes, with Karl Rove, with Paul Ryan, well, that makes DeSantis a cricket burger. And there's at least some reason to believe that's true. As I mentioned yesterday, the DeSantis simps, the people supporting him in Con Inc. and the GOP establishment, they're not trying to separate Ron DeSantis from the Bushes. They're trying to defend the Bushes in the establishment. That's basically an admission that that's who they serve. So the selling of Ron DeSantis to the country over the last few years by the mainstream media, by the way, as some better, more polite, more socially acceptable version of Donald Trump seems to be a complete and total lie. And even Bill Maher recognizes this. He said on his show, why would anyone want the cover band version of Donald Trump when you could just go see Donald Trump. And he's exactly right. Donald Trump is the genuine article. There is no replacement for Donald Trump. Our elections in this country are stolen. It's not good enough to just say that we are moving on, moving on from that theft of our elections, moving on from trying to get to the bottom of all that and then rectify that makes you complicit in the election fraud. That is literally doing the work of the regime. It's okay that people liked Ron DeSantis. They were presented with something that seemed Trump-like, and the establishment wasn't putting up much of a fight about DeSantis. Maybe we'll just have an easier road. Maybe we can unify, and that way we'll win these stolen elections. We'll get Ron DeSantis over the finish line in a stolen election. And oh, the regime's going to be mad then. Look at that. We made sure that you couldn't steal our elections by winning a stolen election. Hey, guys, you didn't win. That's the same sort of win that Joe Biden achieved in 2020. The regime's not upset about that, and they're not upset about Ron DeSantis, which is why the Bushes and Karl Rove and Paul Ryan are all pushing him. And if Trump were out of the picture and DeSantis was the best choice of all bad choices, well, maybe that would be a different scenario. At that point, the country would be absolutely screwed. But right now, DeSantis isn't even a good choice. He's only the most prominent anti-Trump choice. And if you are anti-Trump, then you are accepting the theft of our elections. There's just no way around that, which is why DeSantis supporters won't even engage that discussion. They will just argue that the elections aren't stolen, which is absolutely crazy. And I understand from their perspective, the country does not accept that our elections are stolen, even though the polls are well over 50 percent that they are stolen and have been for two years now. They still think it's some fringe belief to think our elections are stolen. So they deny it. They pretend that that's just not true. And all their thinking leads forward from there. Well, they are now finding themselves in a two and a half year informational past relative to the election fraud. They stopped right there. They learned all the wrong lessons from 2020. And then they're Thinking proceeded forward from that. 
it's already got a fundamental error and flaw and falsehood at the very bottom of their thinking, which will inevitably make all of their conclusions wrong. And the truth is, like every one of the narratives that we have pushed to full acceptance by the mainstream, things like, hey, COVID wasn't that dangerous. Social distancing, that was nothing. Lockdowns were harmful. Masks didn't work and were harmful. The very violent insurrection was a big, big lie. The Russia-Ukraine conflict was a big, big lie. Medical segregation and vaccine mandates are crimes against humanity. People are figuring out all of those things, and they will eventually understand election fraud in full as well. And at that point, these people are going to go run and hide with their tails between their legs, knowing what they've done because it's obvious they were wrong because they didn't check and they didn't think they had to check because they knew that they had narrative cover. The central narrative would tell everybody that they're right. And because they're not as extreme about it as the leftists, then they would be the most right relative to the wrong people. If you just cut our perspective out of the conversation completely, these con Inc and GOP establishment conservatives are the smartest people on the planet. When you compare them to the most overt and open communists, they're just not right at all. When you compare them to the people who are actually right, there is no doubt that the elections in our country are stolen. There's an entire system set up to steal the elections. Our elections are the cricket burger. And as soon as these fools realize what they're eating, well, acting like all of the people who have been telling them the whole time, hey, that's a cricket burger, are wrong and dumb and liars, isn't going to look so good. But let's get to the genuine article because Donald Trump was in Waco, Texas over the weekend, and he came out to the track that he helped make number one, the J6 prison choir singing the Star Spangled Banner with Trump's reciting of the Pledge of Allegiance dubbed over it. And I want to quickly go through some of the highlights of his speech and then get to some fantastic panic from the communists in the mainstream media. And let's start with some of his discussion about what we were just talking about, the big picture geopolitical stuff. Say, I was asked the other day, and I took a little heat for it. They said, who's our biggest threat? Is it China, sir? Or is it Russia? I said, no, our biggest threat are high-level politicians that work in the United States government, like Mitch McConnell, Nancy Pelosi, Schumer, Biden, Justice Department. Because that's poisoning our country. I can do things with China. I made the greatest trade deal in history with China. I don't even talk about it because sometime after that, fairly shortly, what happened with COVID, it was like I didn't want to talk about a trade deal. So we got all these countries lining up together, as I was just discussing a minute ago. And we're all supposed to be very, very scared of that. Because what happens if we lose the dollar as the world's reserve currency? What happens if we can no longer just direct sanctions wherever we need to make other nations and other leaders of nations do exactly what we want them to do? Well, we're being told that China is going to take this over and they're going to use it to destroy America. 
Well, I have my doubts about that, particularly once Donald Trump is publicly recognized as the American president once again. No matter how that comes to be, Donald Trump has already negotiated with these world leaders. They are on the same page about what they see as their roles. Now, does this mean that Donald Trump has made deals with them and they're all working together? Well, not necessarily, but it's certainly possible. Either way, Donald Trump is not going to step into that office and allow the United States to be abused by these other countries. The truth is ultimately that the United States has all of the resources and the people and the innovations and the technology to compete with any nation on earth and win. We don't need to have this undue structural influence to exert our will on the rest of the people of the world. I find it really odd that conservatives who are constantly talking about the natural good of our system, of our constitution, of our people, think that the United States is suddenly going to be decimated by the rest of the world unless we have all of these cheat codes that we continue to use. I'm more than happy to stack the United States ability to be self-sufficient and still successful up against any other country's ability to do the same. We can win in a genuine meritocracy worldwide. I have full confidence in that. It's surprising that other conservatives don't. We have the best constitution. We have the best people. We have the natural resources, the innovation, the technology, the military. What we are really being sold by these conservatives is the idea that we cannot be successful without the global regime system, without the central bankers system. And that's an explicitly pro-regime argument as they're fear-mongering that on television. I hope that none of us fall for that. I'm not scared of the multipolar world order. I'm scared of the regime's global communist technocracy that they are thrusting upon us right now that everyone can just look around and witness. That's the threat. And again, I'm not saying that there might not be any immediate and short-term downside to what's happening. I imagine there certainly will be, but that can either be seen as a crisis or an adjustment. We are moving to a decentralized system and bringing the power back to the people. And if it's that or the global regime, I'm happy to take my chances in the new world that's emerging. And that's what Trump is saying here. China and Russia are not our greatest threats. The regime inside the government of the United States. That's the biggest threat. The U.S. evil twin faction is our greatest threat. And before I even arrive at the Oval Office, shortly after I win the presidency, I will have the disastrous war between Russia and Ukraine settled. It would never have happened. So Trump says that a lot. And what does he mean? Well, it's worth noting that he is extremely confident about the fact that he will be president again. There is no question in his mind whether or not that's going to happen. He is not remotely worried about losing in the primaries. He's not worried about losing in the general. And if you're a normie out there, you look at this and think Trump is just being Trump and saying wild and crazy and irresponsible things. He doesn't know he can win the primary against Ron. How is he going to win the general when he turns off so many people and people hate him that much? Trump just got a 
52% approval rating nationwide in a poll by Rasmussen the other day. That's nationwide with likely voters. 52%. That's more than half of the country actually does like Donald Trump right now. Biden was at 38% last week. And we've talked about these polls plenty of times. Mark Mitchell from Rasmussen is a very honest person, but there are limitations to polling in the first place. They're not really able to reach a fully representative sampling of the nation just based on how they have to do the polls, how they're able to reach out to people, what people they're actually able to contact. And then we have to assume that they are weighting things properly. And the problem is that the accuracy of these polls in some way reflects the fraudulence of these elections. For a poll to be accurate, it has to accurately reflect the results of the elections. If the elections were free and fair and the polls accurately reflected the results, well, then both things are just fine, except the elections aren't free and fair. They're a product of fraud. So if the poll reflects the result of the fraudulent election, then neither is accurate. And we know which way these things always lean. So seeing Donald Trump at 52% in a nationwide poll of likely voters, that's pretty strong. The Trump hate just isn't what they pretend it to be. Also, none of that matters. Because if the elections aren't free and fair, then winning elections doesn't matter. That can't be the final standard. In that sense, it doesn't matter whether or not Trump wins or loses in 2024. The movement pushes forward regardless. If elections remain rigged, then the elections aren't real. You can't just give up and throw in the towel at that point and be like, well, you know what? We lost again. I guess them stealing another one means we have to just pretend they're all real and true right now. If that's the case, the situation needs to be solved in another way. And that is why we empower the man who's going to solve the situation with the help of the people rather than just revert to our prior condition and just say, yeah, you know what? Uh, so you don't have any burgers. I guess I'm just going to eat the cricket burger. Nope. Get in your car leave the barbecue, drive to the grocery store, buy some beef, come on back to the barbecue and throw that beef on the grill. The goal here is solving the problem, not getting someone in the fake office of fake president with a little R next to their name. So Trump will be back and he knows he can solve that situation the moment he does get back. How does he know that right now? Well, if you think about this in the big picture and you think about someone like Trump confronting the regime, certainly both sides know that Trump knows he's confronting the regime with whatever sort of alliance he has, whether it's right out front, the people who campaign with him, the alliances he formed around the world, or whether it's behind the scenes and there's something more going on. He knows he's confronting the regime. The regime knows they're confronting him. That is the back and forth. That's the battle. You also have to imagine that there is some sort of open dialogue and signaling going on back and forth. And so when Trump talks about how the Russia-Ukraine thing would have never happened if he was president, I think it's relatively reasonable to assume that what he means is Russia would not have had to take this step if the regime hadn't stolen another American election. And if that's true, then Russia wouldn't need to continue that process if Trump was back. 
because Russia would then know that the American president and America as a whole would not be doing the bidding of the global regime in direct opposition to the multipolar world that we're seeing emerge. We can talk about Russia invading Ukraine as a result of the ethnic civil war that's been raging in Ukraine for the last nine years as a result of the Obama administration and Joe Biden and Victoria Nuland and others overthrowing the Ukrainian government. We can talk about Ukrainian Nazis. We can talk about biolabs. We can talk about political corruption, the regime stronghold, human trafficking, drug trafficking. We can talk about any number of those things that explain why Russia is doing what it's doing. But it's also possible that the number one reason that Russia is doing what it's doing is because the regime stole the election in the United States. Now, obviously, that's speculation and a theory on my part. I believe it's informed. I believe that there is good reason to believe that's possible, but I don't know. That doesn't mean that Trump doesn't know, and that doesn't mean that the global regime doesn't know. We can't assume that his comments are all just superficial, and he's just describing the world at face value to normies and trying to make himself look good within it. That is how normies take all of that. But when was the last time their interpretation of things was correct? Ever? When this election is over, I will be the president of the United States. You will be vindicated and proud and the thugs and criminals who are corrupting our justice system will be defeated, discredited, and totally disgraced. That's what's happening. Are we really going to be normies about that one, too, and say, oh, Donald Trump, he's just saying these things about what he's going to do, but there's no deep state. This isn't a real thing. He's just being mean to all the people who are mean to him. Donald Trump is just telling you all his grievances. Donald Trump didn't actually drain the swamp while he was in office. Yeah, well... Say whatever you like. I don't hear Ron DeSantis out there talking about the regime this way. Even if Trump had no reason to be this confident, and I'm certain that he does have reason to be this confident, that's actually something to fight for. Those are the correct priorities because nothing in this country gets fixed as long as the global regime is in control of this country. And we're supposed to throw that out because Ron DeSantis occasionally says threatening things to Disney. Yeah, sure. He's totally got the wokeness solved. Done. Yeah, no problem. Just don't solve the elections that he hasn't mentioned for years. And one of my smart Twitter followers pointed out today that if Ron DeSantis had actually done anything effective to bring election integrity to Florida, he would be out there bragging about it constantly because the Republican Party cares deeply about that issue. Instead, he set up a state task force and he somehow fixed elections in Broward County. And that's how he won. And then three weeks ago, he said they were getting rid of Eric. Oh, what a heroic effort, except there's nothing heroic about it. He's had two and a half years to work on election stuff. He could have been talking about it the entire time. He could have been 
pushing for full forensic audits of Florida to expose more of the problems because the system exists in Florida, just like it exists everywhere else. We're just all supposed to pretend that's not true. Trump is the one who's actually going to go after the deep state, after the evil twin faction, after the global regime in America. He talks about it all the time and they hate him. Do they hate Ron DeSantis? No, it's silly to even pretend they do. They call him racist now and again on MSNBC. They call John McCain and Mitt Romney racist. That's what they do to their friends. And of course, their friends take it and just say, well, I'm not as racist as you say I am. I care deeply about equity and equality. I care about diversity and representation. But you're just going a little too far with that whole 1619 project. That's just slightly out of bounds. The regime will tell you who their enemies are. They have never described Ron DeSantis as their enemies. And even if DeSantis isn't involved with this situation, the Bushes and Rove and Ryan, the Republican establishment, they're all promoting him. The only choice to actually beat back all of that is in fact Donald Trump. Trump knows his meaning. He knows what he has set out to accomplish and has worked for nearly eight years all the time, every single day, under attack from all of the most powerful people and organizations in this entire world to achieve. And he knows that his supporters know it, which is why his rhetoric not only makes sense and is powerful, but it is direct and literal to ears open to hearing it. The mainstream media is not going to understand it. Conservative Incorporated on Twitter and the GOP establishment and the DeSantis simps are not going to hear it. They don't even know what he's saying because they have no clue what the real problems are. They are stuck inside that media and social media feedback loop where the things they think are really important are reflected back to them by their audience as really important and they just keep going. It's just whatever's on television, which is why organizations like the Daily Wire see a school shooting and think, this is my time to shine. I'm finally going to win some big points on the conservative side. I mean, I've been losing them nonstop for years now, supporting the COVID narrative, election fraud, the insurrection narrative, the vaccine rollout, Ukraine in the Russia conflict. Every bit of MAGA hates Every bit of that, and they still do it all the time. Why? Because they want to make sure no one else goes to MAGA. They want to satisfy all of the people out there who believe they're conservative and believe that they're fighting for the United States, but who also believe that Donald Trump is just, oh, he's just a little too toxic and mean. I can't support Donald Trump, not in my social circle. They're going to think I'm dumb or bad. I'm going to be one of those MAGA extremists and they're not going to want to talk to me anymore. I'm scared. Well, all you need is a school shooting and you get to be heroes again. Isn't that amazing? Oh, gosh, you got to love the Daily Wire. What an honorable organization. Trump knows what's up. Here's what's up. Twelve years ago, a thing like that to say would be ridiculous. Nobody would know what you're even talking about. Setting fire to your life savings, releasing violent criminals to prey on innocent people. 
We have so many people pouring in, and so many of these people are not the people you want coming into our country. Justice will only be done when we have thrown this repulsive political class the hell out of office. We have to get them out. In 2016, I declared, I am your voice. And now I say to you again tonight, I am your warrior. I am your justice. And I took a lot of heat for this one, but I only mean it in the proper way for those who have been wronged and betrayed, of which there are many people out there that have been wronged and betrayed. I am your retribution. We will take care of it. We will take care of it. You could take the five worst presidents in American history and put them all together, and they would not have done the damage that Joe Biden has done to our nation in just two and a half short years. What they've done to our nation, just think of it, what they've done to our nation. The stakes of this election could not be more clear. Either we surrender to the demonic forces abolishing and demolishing and happily doing so our country, or we defeat them in a landslide on November 5th, 2024. Either the deep state destroys America or we destroy the deep state. That's the way it's got to be. We're at a very pivotal point in our country. Either we descend into a lawless abyss of open borders, rampant killings, super hyperinflation, which is what we have right now and not coming down, and festering corruption, or we evict Joe Biden and the Democrats from the White House. And that's what it is. It is a binary choice. It is regime, global communism, or the multipolar world order. Sovereign nations looking out for themselves, for the good of their own people. That is a binary choice. Donald Trump represents the sovereign nationalist side of that, the good twin faction in the United States. The global regime communism, that's the evil twin faction. It is one or the other. If Ron DeSantis was on the good side, then great for Ron DeSantis. If it turns out that he is, and this is all just for show, then Ron DeSantis can go on being Ron DeSantis, and I'm sure everyone will just love him. But who in the world would make that bet knowing who's backing him? When you have absolutely no doubt whatsoever about Donald Trump and his priorities, he just gave them to you every last bit of it. Either we destroy the deep state or the deep state destroys this country and America is subsumed into the global world order never to return. We keep imagining that the world will just stay as we've known it in our lifetimes forever. The world has never done that. Trump is right. If you want this problem solved, it is Donald Trump and nothing else. Only Trump. You don't make a different choice because Trump sometimes makes you feel bad and your friends make fun of you when they think he's done something wrong and you're sick of defending him. Your friends don't actually know anything about what's going on. You don't have to respect their opinions. And I'm not saying be a jerk about it. 
But Donald Trump isn't even hard to defend anymore. Everyone can see how bad all of this is. As soon as they understand they're eating the cricket burger, they're going to reject it. This is from The Atlantic on Sunday. Trump begins the retribution tour. You'd think by now Donald Trump's fans would be tired of all this. The long lines and the self-indulgent speeches and the relentless blasting of Laura Branigan's Gloria as they stand outside exposed to the elements. But they aren't. Not at all. Well, thanks for looking out for us, Elaine Godfrey of The Atlantic. After six years, the former president's rallies still have summer camp vibes, at least at first. At last night's event in Waco, Texas, the first rally of his 2024 presidential campaign, Trump's thousands of supporters seemed delighted simply to be together at the Waco airport hangar, wearing their ultra MAGA t-shirts and drinking lemonade in the hot sun. Sure, the vendors ran out of water at one point and there was no shade to speak of, but nobody really complained. They were too busy singing along to the village people and bonding with new friends over their shared interests, justice, freedom, theories about a ruling deep state cabal. Yeah, you see, they agree that they are all conspiracy theorists, all these dumb people who are just out there exposed to the elements. By the way, it was like 78 and sunny. It was an absolutely beautiful day in Texas on Saturday. And somehow in the eyes of the Atlantic writer and surely the child brains in the Atlantic's readership, all of this is supposed to be bad. Like adults aren't supposed to just get together and enjoy themselves at a political event. It's just unheard of. But you know, those crazy, stupid, uneducated, deplorable Trump voters, they have no idea what a good time really is. But the sunny mood of Trump supporters contrasted with his 2024 campaign message, which is different this time around, darker, more vengeful, and if such a thing is possible, even more self-absorbed. The abuses of power that we are witnessing at all levels of government will go down as among the most shameful, corrupt, and depraved chapters in history. Trump told the crowd in a clear reference to a potential indictment he's facing related to hush money payments to the porn actor Stormy Daniels and probably also to the three other main legal cases against him. He spent 30 minutes soliloquizing about Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, the corrupt thugs in America's justice system, and the apparent threat to his attorney-client privilege. Behind Trump, supporters held up witch hunt signs that had been given out by the campaign. And you see, that's supposed to mean that the people don't authentically believe that it's a witch hunt. When Democrats do the same thing behind a Joe Biden speech, which, by the way, has only happened like four times because usually there is no one at Joe Biden speeches. But when Democrats do it, it's totally different. Democrats, of course, all know that the signs really represent them, whereas Trump's fans, oh, they're just getting tricked by Donald Trump, of course. At his rallies in 2016, Trump used to tell his supporters, I am your voice. Last night, he offered something more sinister. I am your warrior. I am your justice, he told them. For those who have been wronged and betrayed, I am your retribution. Wonderful. All of that is wonderful, but not to the Atlantic. And you got to be amused at these Atlantic writers and all of these other really child-brained communists who are out there making up the mainstream media. They genuinely have no idea what Donald Trump is talking about because they call all of his 
grievances, conspiracy theories. Anyone who knows what he's talking about knows without a doubt he's talking about crimes against America, absolute violations of our justice system, violations of constitutional rights and human rights on a massive scale in coordinated fashion on behalf of the global regime. Anyone who has realized they were fed a cricket burger wants that. Choosing Waco for his first campaign rally of the season was a little on the nose, even for Trump, a man who has always relished a chance to say the quiet part out loud. In the spring of 1993, federal law enforcement agents laid siege to the Branch Davidian compound, where a leader had bound his followers to him with apocalyptic warnings. 30 years later, here was Trump whipping up his own supporters with claims of similar law enforcement overreach, which in Trump's case may mean being charged with crimes related to his dealings with a star of porking with pride, too. You see that you got to emphasize the porn aspect, even though Trump says there was no affair. Stormy says there was no affair. And Trump says there was no payment from him, which Michael Cohen also affirms in a letter from his attorneys in 2018. So the whole thing is made up, but they don't want to tell you that. So they just emphasize the porn thing over and over again to make sure everybody knows that the orange man really is bad. At times over the past week, Trump has seemed almost giddy at the prospect of an indictment, reportedly musing with aides about how he might behave during a potential perp walk. The past few days have also been anxious ones for Trump, according to the New York Times reporter Maggie Haberman, but also according to anyone reading Trump's frantic social media posts. Well, no, none of that's true. Maggie Haberman is never right about Trump and none of us find his postings frantic at all. He is hammering home a point and making sure it gets seen and his points are valid and accurate and true. He should make them. On Truth Social, in between site ads for mole and skin tag removal. Oh, that's important. The former president has been truthing and retruthing with the all caps enthusiasm of a middle schooler hopped up on pixie sticks. Oh, you nailed him. He's just like a little teenage girl. You got it right. Everybody knows I'm 100% innocent, he wrote last week. Our country is being destroyed as they tell us to be peaceful. Trump predicted an imminent arrest and urged Americans to protest, protest, protest. On Thursday, presumably while pacing the gilded halls of Mar-a-Lago, Trump amped up his rhetoric by warning or maybe threatening about the death and destruction that could occur if he is eventually charged. And we don't know what that means, by the way, if they try to make an example of Trump and they delay this process further and they exacerbate these problems further. It's entirely possible that that might trigger other events around the world. That is just a reality of what we're dealing with. This multifaceted fifth generational warfare that we are just living inside of. Trump was not indicted last week, but it could happen this week as early as tomorrow. Whoops, missed again because this was written Sunday. He didn't get arrested yesterday. Doesn't seem like he's going to get arrested today. No one's talking about it. What happened? When the grand jury is due to reconvene, that, by the way, would be the reason why it's going to happen today. If Trump is arrested, he might be booked the same as any other suspect. Americans may get to see his mugshot. We may get to see the kind of turbulent protest that he's clearly agitating for. His supporters, predictably, think the whole Stormy Daniels situation is hogwash. 
We laugh at it all because the liberal side is just trying to throw everything at the wall to see if something sticks. Ron Weldon, a helicopter pilot from Keller, told me at Waco, and he's 100% right. Texas rally goers I spoke with forecast that if Trump is indicted, there will be protests, but they will be peaceful and nothing major. Again, correct. They'd really like to avoid another January 6th situation, which they reminded me was caused by FBI plants. Again, correct. An indictment, they said, will only make them love Trump more. If they do that, they might as well seal their fate. He's going to win. Janet Larson, a retiree from Temple, Texas, told me. Last night, though, no one acted as if their leader was about to be indicted. People sucked on bomb pops and danced and got sunburned. They carried around their tiny dogs and booed the press at all the right times. When Trump's jet landed an hour later than scheduled, a vendor abandoned her ice cream truck to take a video. Zany conspiracy theories ran rampant. A woman named Stephanie Tater, wearing a hot pink pantsuit, told me that she's starting a business that allows people to fax her handwritten letters to Trump that she'll deliver personally to Mar-a-Lago to avoid censorship by the Postal Service. Priscilla Patterson, a 50-something woman from Waco, said that she wasn't worried about Trump winning in 2024 because he'd be installed as the rightful president well before then. Her husband, Ricky Patterson, suggested that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who is currently Trump's main presumptive rival in the Republican primary race, was himself a puppet of the elite ruling cabal. Well, those conspiracy theories don't sound crazy in the least, and they especially shouldn't to a writer who still believes that the Stormy Daniels thing is really going to be what finally gets Trump. Recent stories about Trump supporters have suggested that they're bored with him or flirting with the idea of switching candidates. Oh, yeah, that was the DeSantis simps seeding that story all throughout CPAC. And I'm talking specifically, by the way, about Kurt Schlichter and John Cardillo. But the fans showing up at his rallies, at least the estimated 10,000 of them last night in Waco, seem more bullish than ever. And I have heard estimates much higher than that. Who knows what's true? You can't imagine the Atlantic is going to give a great review, but they'll go with 10,000. Could Joe Biden in a million years draw 10,000 people? Could Ron DeSantis draw 10,000 people? There is no chance in hell that Ron DeSantis could draw 10,000 people to an event. Maybe it was a good thing they said that Trump had been away for a couple of years. America got to see what it was missing. Low gas prices, no wars in Europe. And they are not considering other candidates. DeSantis is too establishment, too fake, not ready for prime time. It's Trump all the way, baby. No one else even comes close. See that, Atlantic writer? You're starting to get it. Trump and his supporters have been through a lot together since 2020. The stolen election, the FBI inside job on January 6th, 2021, the long list of legal persecutions. These trials have served only to cement their devotion. So for them, seeing Trump back on the campaign trail was like witnessing the long-awaited return of an exiled leader. That's why, they told me, this cycle's campaign will be different. The other ones were, let's make America great. Let's clean it up. Let's do things right. A Waco man named Brian, who declined to share his last name, told me. But he prefers to use Trump's word to describe this next iteration. To me, this is retribution. We've got to get our country back because it's been stolen from us. What would that retribution promised by Trump look like? I asked. 
People who have done fraud and illegal stuff, they've got to be perp walked. They need to face justice, he said. There's a two-tier level of justice in this country. The legal system is corrupt. The political system is rigged. And Joe Biden was never elected president, Ricky Patterson told me. Trump's campaign is a crusade for redemption. Trump is a new age Moses. April Rickman from Midland, Texas, told me he delivered the people from Egypt. The prophet himself, after ranting about brag and corruption and getting off a few good DeSantis barbs, offered a few minutes of hope for such deliverance. To round after round of applause, he promised to close the border, unleash ICE and deport gang members with tattoos on their faces. He vowed to settle the war in Ukraine in just 24 hours, to keep trans girls out of girls sports and to prevent World War Three. The crowd around me screamed its approval. You see, all of it is good, except they're all just being tricked by the cult leader. Don't you get it? They're all conspiracy theorists that believe all these false things about the world and think Trump is the only person who can save them. Hey, Atlantic writer, you missed again. All these things actually are true. And it does actually matter that Donald Trump is the guy because he's the only one who has proven that he's in the right fight and fighting it the right way. And he's willing to go all the way to the end, no matter the personal cost to himself. And they still push the view that Donald Trump is doing this all for his personal benefit. It's utterly insane. These people live in a false reality. They are totally detached. This is a complete and total inversion in the false reality where happy, smart, well-intentioned people express their interests and their beliefs, and they're reflected in a political candidate. And rather than that being the ideal situation that our constitution intended, rule of, by, and for the people through their chosen representative, it's all just a bunch of mindless drones in a cult doing whatever they're told to do. That's what she's trying to describe. This is the total inversion. The Democrats, the people who support Joe Biden, the conservative establishment, all of these people did whatever they were told to do throughout this entire time, and they did it for the regime. They supported a man they don't even like, don't understand, can't explain, and can't even support. And they did it all because they were told that Donald Trump is the real threat. They believed it because they're part of a hate movement. There's no other justification for it. And they have the nerve to say that we are in a cult. It is a total inversion within the false reality. But the high didn't last long. Suddenly, a somber string melody was playing through the loudspeakers and Trump was speaking over it. An American flag rippled on the jumbotrons behind him. We are a nation in decline. We are a failing nation, he said to an audience that, hours before, had been beaming in the sun with Mountain Dew and stuffed pretzels. We are a nation that in many ways has become a joke, and we are a nation that is hostile to liberty, freedom, and faith. Then it was all over, and Trump's plane pulled out onto the runway to take him back to Florida. The hardcore fans who'd stuck around to watch his departure lined up along the fence to wave goodbye. As the plane sped down the tarmac, April Rickman held her hands up to the sky. You see that? We're all just a crazy cult. And if that's true, it's kind of unusual that she didn't mention the provenance of 
that somber string melody played through the loudspeakers because that's a song called Where We Go One, We Go All, a direct reference to Q that Trump has made multiple times in his rally speeches over the last year or so. Why didn't she mention that? Oh, wait a second. Is Trump as the cult leader also part of the cult of his followers? Is that what we're supposed to believe? Oh, no, no. Donald Trump is just courting the the violent radical fringe of his party by playing this song. He needs their votes. They've actually tried that argument before, by the way. They suggest that people who are friendly to or curious about Q represent this minute portion of the population. And if that's true, then why would Donald Trump bother catering to them? If they were so crazy, why would Trump be doing that? Well, there aren't many answers to that question that wouldn't blow up their entire narrative about Q. So what do they go with? Oh, he needs their votes. He needs to keep them on board. It's just so comically ignorant the way they describe this stuff at this point. It's been going on for too long. They know. But let's close the show out with Donald Trump speaking over the somber string melody that played over the loudspeakers. No matter what they throw at us, no matter what they do to us, we will not bend, we will not break, we will not yield. We will never give in, we will never give up, we will never ever back down. We will complete the mission, we will cross the finish line, we will demolish tyranny and we will rescue freedom, liberty and justice. And we will restore the American Republic to all of its greatness and glory greater than ever before. My fellow citizens, this incredible journey we are on together has only just begun. We are one movement, one people, one family, and one nation under God. With your help, your prayers, your vote, and your unwavering love for this country, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. Thank you, Texas. Thank you. God bless you all. Thank you very much. Thank you. If Donald Trump couldn't get it done, he wouldn't still be doing it. He knows exactly what he's doing, and he knows exactly how it's going to end. And there is absolutely nothing that can stop it. He's the genuine article. You don't need to keep eating the cricket burger. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. 
In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree, linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod, and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gaze wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. 
If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. The merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!